Welcome to the Aiden Mari podcast and thank you for listening. This is a podcast where we like to explore faith, the Bible, and trying to better follow Jesus. This podcast is a collection of sermons, interviews, and also me just rambling about different things about Christianity or what's on my mind or conversations we're having. We're trying to upload weekly, so hopefully that happens. So I hope you enjoy and let's get on with this week's episode. Thank you guys so much. How are you guys doing? You doing okay? That was a little weak. How are you guys doing? You guys doing okay? All right, all right, all right. So I'm going to talk to you guys about something that's really important to me, and it's something that honestly I think is, is hard for us because we live in a culture where it's easy to feel bad about stuff, and especially I think when it comes to Christianity, when we look out and we see the way Christians often treat people, it makes us feel like this whole God, they say he's love, but I see the opposite. Um, we're going to talk about this word, condemnation. How many of you guys know what that means, condemnation, condemnation? Everyone, oh, nobody knows. What do you think it means? What do you think it means? You know what it is. See, now you're put on the spot. Now you're second-guessing yourself. The dictionary puts it like this. Condemnation is the action of condemning someone to punishment or sentencing. So I, I want to ask you, have you ever felt like someone has punished you or condemned you or sentenced you to something? Raise your hand. Anybody in here? I know I have. Oh, only a few of you. None of you have ever been punish, punished? Perfect children? I've, I've, I've often felt this way. And, and to be honest, it's because I lived a life that wasn't godly at all. And I said I was Christian and I wasn't with my life. And so things happened. My biggest thing was that I cared about popularity and girls. Those were the two biggest things I cared about. And because of that, when I became a Christian, I still had this reputation of I only cared about girls. Um, I, I used girls, and I, and I would date several at the same time, which I don't recommend. Um, they find out pretty quick. <laughs> and, and I would do stuff like that. And so I had this reputation of being a bit of a player. And funny enough, I became a Christian going into grade 10. Um, I committed my life to Jesus and I tried to follow him. But then when I went to Bible college to become a pastor, this still followed me. Um, I, there was this girl who I really liked who is still here to this day. Thank you, uh, Emily. And, and she was someone who I always thought, uh, I always thought that, man, there's no way this girl is going to date me. I am, I am not that good looking. I am not that smart. I am not that funny. Um, but somehow I managed to get her. And, and so what happened at the beginning of our relationship in college is, is we were hanging out. Um, we essentially just started going, okay, we're more than friends. Now we're like a thing. And people from my past heard about this. And, and these people were also her friends. And so we're sitting there in Boston Pizza. And this is years past any of that stuff. And she's getting phone calls and she's picking it up and it's her friends. And they're like, hey, I heard you're kind of with Aiden. Um, she made like a, she took a Snapchat of me, and so people kind of were like, oh, they're hanging out together. Um, <laughs> and so these people are calling her up, and they're like, hey, I, I heard that you're with Aiden. Um, maybe you should not be. <laughs> they're like, don't you know who this guy is? He's a player. He's a womanizer. He's a loser. He, he's going to lead you down paths you don't want to go. He's, he's, he's just going to date you for a bit and then move on to someone else. And, and I could hear this, and honestly, it, like, just made me feel horrible, and I was honestly kind of really angry. 
Um, but Emily's sitting there on the phone in Boston Pizza, and this is turning into a very awkward first date. Uh, <laughs> and so she's on the phone talking to these girls, and eventually she just gets to this point. She goes, look, I know Aiden did that. We literally have been talking about it for a long time. It was one of the first things we talked about. Um, he said he's following Jesus now. And honestly, he's been treating me well. I trust him. And, and if God's forgiven him, who am I to continue to condemn him? And she just hung up the phone on her friend, and I was like, whoa, whoa. And I, I was like, all right, all right, all right. I was like, you know what? This woman right here, this is the one. This is the one right now. This is the one. And so moral of the story is, boys, if a woman puts aside your past and forgives you, put a ring on it, which I haven't done yet, but it'll come up. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Emily. Um, and so here's the thing. Emily completely forgave me, and even though people were coming up against me and, and bringing these things up from my past, she still stood up for me and went, I don't, I don't care. And she just hung up the phone. She didn't even let him keep talking. It was just like, boom. I was like, whoa, this girl is bold. And I think about Jesus. And I think about how we feel. We have people in our schools, in our lives. We have students who, who bring up stuff from our past. Not only that, we are our own worst enemy. Are we not like... I don't know about you, I have a hard time forgiving myself, like especially with God. I have a hard time feeling like God actually loves me because of the stuff I've done or continue to do. And I often feel condemned. But the Bible says this. Um, It says, so there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. And so what this means is that if you are a Christian, if you have chosen to follow Jesus, there is no condemnation in Christ. And this is amazing news because this means that no matter what people say, no matter what you think, no matter what Satan tries to tell you about yourself, it doesn't matter because Jesus paid for it. And Jesus is hanging up the phone on the haters going, we're not even going to listen to him. I'm tossing it. I don't care what they have to say. I love you. And I think that honestly, that's hard for us sometimes. And there's a story quite like this in the, in the Bible about a girl who has a similar situation where she feels condemned And she feels alone and she feels broken. And Jesus is there. And so the story goes something like this. Oh, this is is my big point. So if you're going to walk away with anything, no one can condemn you when Jesus forgives you. That's what I want you to remember when you leave here, that no one can condemn you if Jesus forgives you. And so the Bible says this, John 8, 1 to 5. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, which is like this garden that he liked to hang out in. But early the next morning, he was back at the temple. He was back at church. And a crowd soon gathered, as they do when Jesus showed up, because, you know, son of God, healing people, very famous guy, crowd gathers. He's he's like Justin Bieber, but even greater. Uh, (laughs) And he sat down and he taught them, and he was speaking. And the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. So the teachers in the law of the Pharisees are, are... are people who say they follow God, they, they do all the right things, they're like pastors and leaders, like they are the representatives of God on earth, and these, these people bring a woman who was caught in the act of adultery, which means she was sleeping with someone who wasn't her husband, um, and they put her in front of the crowd, so they put her in front of all these people, and then the Pharisees say, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, the law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? And so I want to point out a couple things here. First, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. (laughs) What that means is that they didn't have video cameras, okay? So I want you to imagine this. This woman, 
things are getting weird in the room. And all of a sudden, these religious leaders, these pastors show up, bust through the door, catch her red-handed, drag her out, drag her through the streets. And are, they think to themselves, we're going to take her to church. We hear Jesus here. We're going to take her to Jesus. And they're bringing her down, and they throw her in front of this whole crowd. And, and she is ashamed. She is probably beat up, uh, dirty, <laughs> and feeling pretty guilty. And then on top of this, they, they say that the law commands them to stone her, right? Um, but the law also says that the man should be stoned too. So where is he? And, and, if, and if you ask a lot of Christian um, professors and guys who really study this stuff, they say that this whole thing might just be a setup from the Pharisees. And they intentionally sent a guy to go and sleep with her just to do this to her. And so the, these dudes don't really care about this woman. And they don't really care about what's happening. They want to shame her, and they also want to shame Jesus. And, and often in our lives, especially today, I think we look at Christians and the church, and, and I think we see people who hold up signs that say, God hates fags, and you're going to hell, and Jesus hates sinners. And you're sitting there feeling like, man, I am worthless. And not only that, if this is what these people are like, I don't want anything to do with them. And on top of that, this woman's going to get stoned. You're going, well, that seems a little harsh, but, but, but here's why. So our, our sin actually brings death into the world. Um, the reason why there's pain and suffering is because we sin. And so back in the old law, before Jesus came, God, for the Israelites, for the people who said they followed him, look, said, look, I'm really serious about sin. If you sin, we're going to physically show what is spiritually true about you by you dying, because every time we sin, we die a little bit on the inside, and so that's what's going on here, but it doesn't end, <laughs> so we're going to see what happens. It says this, they were trying to trap him, meaning Jesus, into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and rolled the dust with his finger. Very interesting. Uh, so first off, they were trying to trap him. What do you mean? Um, so the Jews were a people group that Jesus was a part of, and the Jews were people that God chose to bring um, he said that through the Jews, I am going to bring redemption and freedom. And, and by that, eventually, it was Jesus dying on the cross. He was a Jewish man, and that's how God brought redemption and freedom into the world from sin. And so these Jews have been captured multiple times throughout history. You might know of, like, World War II, Hitler captured them in concentration camps. Like, this was a normal thing that happened for them throughout history. And so the Jews have been kind of captured by Rome. And so Rome is over the Jews. And so what's happening here is, is the law, the Jewish book called the Torah, which we call the Old Testament, says that if someone does this, stone them. But the Roman law, who is over them, says that, hey, you can't just kill people. <laughs> like, you need to bring them into a court and we will judge them ourselves. And so what the Pharisees, what these pastors are trying to do is trying to trick Jesus by either Jesus is going to ignore the Jewish law, and then they'll say, look, he doesn't care about God, he's not actually this Messiah we're talking about, or he is going to kill this woman, and then they'll report him to Caesar, and they'll have him jailed or murdered. And so they're trying to trap him, and I find it interesting that Jesus doesn't give a hoot about no haters. He just, like, doesn't even answer. He just goes down in the dust, and he starts drawing pictures. <laughs> And you might be going, what the heck is Jesus doing? Like, there is a woman about to be stoned. And Jesus goes, well, I guess I'll just start doodling. And, and here's the thing. A lot, a lot of people throughout Christian history think that this is what's happening when Jesus writes in the dust. They think that he's actually writing down the sins 
of the pastors, of these Pharisees, of these religious leaders on the ground. And so here's what's happening. They're bringing a woman from, look at what she's done. We're going to kill her because of what she's done. And Jesus is going on the ground, writing in it, going, look at what you've done. And so it might be murder, hate, pride, lust, anger, greed, gossip, whatever it is, he's writing that stuff down on the ground. And it's interesting because, because then this happens. And it says they kept demanding an answer. So they're yelling at him, dude, stop writing in the ground. We're trying to kill someone here. And so he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down to the ground again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And so Jesus kind of gets out of this really smartly. He just is like, all right, I'm writing these dudes' sins in the ground. I'm going to stand up and be like, hey, if you've never sinned, you can stone her. <laughs> and so all these guys are standing around, and, and they're kind of like, oh, well. And, and the older guys leave first. And that's because I think the older you are, the more aware you are uh, of your mistakes and, and your falls and how you failed. And so these older guys are like, well, I'm not perfect, so I guess we'll go home. And then these younger guys are kind of like, well, I guess they're going home, so I should go home too. And so they all follow, and they leave. And, and see, they're trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to trap this woman, and, and it's actually messed up. But these Pharisees, these religious people, they can't see that they are just as guilty as this woman. I, I went home recently. My brother got married, my youngest brother. He's 18. It's like, wow, he's 18. He's married. Um, and, so, and so I was at my house hanging with my parents. We were kind of like reminiscing about the good old days when we weren't as good because we were teenagers and we were jerks to our parents. Um, and I eventually started talking about my brothers and how they were jerks to my parents. Like, they were very rude, um, like very rude. It would make me physically angry, but I wouldn't do anything. My older brother would usually grab my younger brother, or my younger brother would usually fight my older brother about it. And so they kind of handled it. Um, but, but I was bringing this up about, man, I'm so glad, Mom and Dad, I am so glad that when I was a teenager, I didn't give you no attitude. I was so good, no problems for me. I was great, so respectful. I was such a good guy. And then my dad's like, yeah, yeah, you were very good, very good kid. Except for, <laughs> you know, you gave us a really good attitude, but you didn't actually do what we said. So it was kind of like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, Dad. And then they get home and be like, why are the dishes not done? And I'd be like, oh, I don't know, because the call of duty just keeps going. I don't know how to stop. <laughs> and they'd be like, uh, and so my parents brought up this good point where I was like, hmm, I don't really have anything to say now because my dad said, I'd I would have rather them have bad attitudes and done what I said than them have a good attitude and never do what I said. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I, I guess I'm as guilty as they are. And it made me realize this. And, and I think often as, as Christians, we forget what it's like that, that we are the same. And it's easy to look out and be like, I'm not like that. I don't party. I don't do drugs. I don't get drunk. I'm not having sex with tons of people, so I'm not that bad. Um, and I think as non-Christians, you often feel like, man, all these Christians think they're better than me because I've got my own struggles, my own things to deal with. They don't even get to know me. And they think they're so much better than me, but really we're the same. And it creates this tension between the two. And that's what we're seeing here. And what God's saying is, look, Christians, you're just as guilty as everybody else. Stop acting so self-righteous. It's stupid. You didn't do anything to save yourself. And if you could have, if you were perfect, then I wouldn't have needed to come because you're not perfect. Like, you couldn't throw a stone. 
And so stop trying to throw stones. And he's saying to non-Christians, he's going, look, like I'm on your side. All these people are throwing stones. That's not me. That's not who I am. I'm not like that. I'm not that God. I don't hold up signs saying God hates fags. I don't just be like, I'm going to send you to hell because I hate you. It's like, that's not me. <laughs> Stop listening to that garbage. And so the story goes on. But First John actually puts all of that, what I just said, like this. It says, if we claim that we do not have sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So if you say you're not a sinner, if you think that you're just good to go, you're living a lie, you're not. Everybody knows that you're messed up. Deep down inside, you're like, yes, I am a mess. And I look really good on the outside, but inside, I am just a mess. And, and it's okay. Like, it's like, we all are. You don't have to pretend that you're not. And, and have you ever heard this saying, like, your parents always say, if you're pointing a finger, three fingers are pointing back at you. And I always hated that because I was like, what a stupid thing to say. I'm trying to point right now. Dad, stop telling me what to do. And I think that when people are pointing at you, you just need to think, man, there's three fingers pointing back. Those dudes got as many things, as many issues as I do. Or if you're the one pointing the finger, you need to think, you need to think man, what is the stuff in my life that I actually need to cut out because I shouldn't be pointing right now? But Jesus isn't done. He's continuing. So everybody left. Now what? And so then Jesus stood up. Okay, he's drawn, done drawing pictures. And he said to the woman, where are your accusers? Did not even one of them condemn you? And so everybody's gone, and Jesus is sticking around. And why Jesus is around is because Jesus is the only dude who is sinless and perfect and good. And, and, and here's the thing. I want you to think about this. This woman is before God. She is before the God who gave that commandment. Everybody's left. And the only one who's perfect who can stone her is Jesus. I think, honestly, right now, she is terrified because she's heard about this God. She's heard about this Jesus who goes into temples and flips tables and makes whips and whips animals out of the temple. She's heard of this Jesus who, who looks to his best friend and says, get behind me, Satan, and yells at him. She's heard of this Jesus who talks about hell and sheep and goats, and, and she's scared. She's like, oh, here it comes. This is it. And I think that often these stories about God are mixed up in our brains, Christian or non-Christian, we're confused about it. And also, the way we look at the church and followers of Jesus also make us have a skewed view of who God is. Because the church is full of imperfect people trying to be perfect. And so if you're like, man, I don't want to be with those Christians, they're a bunch of hypocrites. Yes, we could use one more. Come on down. Like, you are as well. And I want you to know that when you see these things, you're like, man, that's messed up, that's not right. Usually God's right on your shoulder going, you're right. This isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I planned. And I think this woman has a, a skewed view of God. And I honestly think she's scared because she, she doesn't understand who Jesus is. And so Jesus is going to tell her and he's going to show her, am I the God who stones and accuses people or am I the God who forgives? Oh, yeah, that. Uh, the Bible says for the wages of sin is death. And so she's probably heard that too, where she's like, oh, wages of sin is death. I guess I'm going to die. Um, and then Jesus says this to her. Uh, well, she says, no, Lord, they've all gone. And she says, then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And so this woman who's caught in the act of adultery is just like off scot-free. Jesus is like, well, everyone's gone. You're good to go. See you, woman. And then she, we don't know what happens to her. We don't know anything. We just know she's forgiven and she leaves. 
and, and, and here's the thing. You might think God's angry or religious or, or, or like those people you see on social media, but he's not. He's a God who loves and forgives and cares about you deeply. And there's nothing you could do to make him stop loving you. And there's nothing you could do to make him stop using you. And there's nothing you could do to lose his grace in your life. Because here's the thing. We're all messed up. We'll always be messed up until we die. And God knows that. He's not dumb. But I find it interesting that he says this. He says, go and sin no more. Imagine if Jesus came up to you and said, you're forgiven. Go and sin no more. You'd be like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? I'm going to sin again. What are you talking about? And the Bible also says this. uh, So this is all mixed up, but that's okay. So the Bible says this. So, So you're sitting there and you're like, what do you mean go and sin no more? I don't understand this. And you're like, the wages of sin is death. Shouldn't I die? Isn't this a punishment? Why is Jesus being like this? And, and here's the thing. This verse is often taken across like this. And you may have heard this. But we leave out the next part, which says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Meaning that when Jesus says for, you're forgiven, you are. And when you accept him, man, you get a new life. And here's the thing. Man, people think that, that the whole point of Christianity is to get to heaven when you die. Not true. Not true at all. In fact, if you read your Bible, heaven's barely talked about. It's like a little speck. It's like a little like icing on the cake where this is, you'll get this when you die. And it's like, ooh, that makes it even better. But the whole point is you get eternal life now. What? Why would it be good news if there was no news until you're dead? <laughs> Like, it doesn't make sense. So what God is doing is he's going, look, the wages of sin is death, but I've forgiven it. And now I am giving you a new life that is a free gift. And if you choose this new life, man, you have eternal life now. Meaning that that what you used to do isn't going to be what you used to do. Go and sin no more. And God's not going to give you something and just leave you hanging. Like, he's not going to say, climb that building and not give you a ladder. It says in the Bible that, that when we accept Jesus, God gives us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit helps us to follow him. We have new life now. It's not something when you die. It's right now, and you're either living in life or living in death. And ultimately, when you die, you make the decision. But the thing is, God's going, look, it's right now. Eternal life isn't when you die. It's now. I'm giving you a new life, new purpose, new meaning. I'm taking away your condemnation and trading it for forgiveness. Live like you're forgiven. And then um, she talks about that. And then this guy who wrote this book, who's taking this account, also wrote this. He says, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. Your eternal life is now. So they can't keep on sinning because they're children of God. And this doesn't mean you're going to be perfect because here's the thing, you're not. You're not going to be perfect. When you, when you die, you will be. But you have the ability to be because the Holy Spirit's in you. And you're going to fail and you're going to mess up. But here's the thing. Forgiven people are changed. You have eternal life now. Embrace it. But the Bible also says this, just in case you're too worried about, oh, I'm not going to be perfect. It says this in the same book. It says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you won't sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Here's what God's saying. Look, don't sin. But if you do sin, stop being paranoid about it. Just move forward. It's in the past. God isn't someone who's living in the past. He's worried about the now. He's going, look, it's in the past. You came to me. You said, sorry. We're good. We're good. Stop being scared. You don't have to do, you don't have to fast for days or read your Bible endlessly to like make up for it. That's not who I am. It's free. We're moving forward. And it's like this. Imagine that there's like a little kid, right? 
Have you ever seen a little kid try and walk? It's terrible. It's pathetic. <laughs> like a kid, when they're starting to walk, it's like one, two, fall to the ground. And you're like, man, this kid doesn't know what the heck he's doing. And, and here's the thing. You've never seen a parent in your life see the kid take the one, two, fall, and the parent just looks and goes, oh, man, you were going to be something great. But you suck now. Now, you know what? I, you're not even my son anymore because you were supposed to walk right off the bat, and you didn't. So we're not, we're not family. I'm, I'm done with you. I'm going to go make a new son, and hopefully he can learn how to freaking walk. <laughs> You've never seen that. And it's funny because you're like, no, a, a dad's not like that, of course. The kid can't walk yet. He's like, just gotten out of crawling. <laughs> he doesn't even really know what he's doing. He's just like, dad does this, so I'm going to do it. Whoops. And he almost hits his head on the table, and the parents are like, <gasps> every time the kid falls. And what you actually see is the dad usually runs up, picks up the son, and goes, okay, you want to try it again? And the son kind of looks at him like, just trying to look like you. And the dad goes, okay. And he'll, like, reach out his hand, and the little kid will grab it, and he'll, the dad will help him walk. And that's the thing. is Christianity is looking up to our dad being like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. But this is what dad does, so I'm going to try and do it. <laughs> and like a little kid, you take a few steps, you fall down, and, and you cry, and you feel upset. But, but God's going, look, I'm right here. Grab my hand. Like, I want to pick you up. Let's keep moving. And eventually, you're going to get better at it. Like, I still stumble occasionally. Happens where you almost fall. It's embarrassing, but it happens. But I'm walking pretty good. Like, I haven't fallen yet. And I would say that 21 years into my life, I'm doing pretty good at walking. <laughs> and I think that maybe you need to have the same patience with your Christianity where it's like, look, I've been walking for 21 years. Of course I'm good at this. Or we look at other Christians who are like, man, they're so good, they're so perfect. I'm not. God hates me. And God's like, how long have you been a Christian for? Like, three years? Okay, you're a toddler. Like, you're still falling a bit? That's okay. Like, Let's go. <laughs> I'll take your hand and help you out. It's, not like you're, it's like a three-year-old looking at a 16-year-old going, man, he walks so good, I'm never going to be able to walk. It's like, what? That's stupid. And maybe some of you have been a Christian for 16 and you're still falling. Maybe you need to look at it and be like, hmm, maybe I need to try a little bit harder with my walking. That's a different story. But here's the thing. God's going, look, I'm here for you. Let's keep walking. I love you. I want to help you. And I'm not going to let you just fall and I'm not going to hate you. I'm going to pick you up. And we're going to do it together. Come and walk with your dad. Come and walk with your father. And if you stumble, I got you. I'm going to pick you up. Let's keep going. And so here's the thing to remember. No one can condemn you if Jesus forgives you. Meaning when people bring up your past and your mistakes, even current ones, if you and Jesus are good, my dad told me this when I was a kid. If you and Jesus are good, then you don't need to worry about it anymore. And it's the same thing. If, if people come at you and, and they're saying things about you and, and you feel looked down on, just go, am, am, am I in Jesus good? Yes, then I'm good. And when you get that inward verse, voice where, where you're like, oh, man, God can't use me anymore or, oh, I don't know if I'm actually Christian anymore. Like, maybe God's cut me off or maybe God doesn't love me. God's going, look, I say that I forgive you with no condemnation. So... Any condemnation you're feeling isn't from me. It's actually from the other guy who's trying to get you to keep falling and make you think that you'll never get out of it and, and I don't love you anymore. And it's a lie. God calls Satan a liar and a thief and a murderer. So don't, 
believe that voice. He says there's no condemnation to me. No one can condemn you when Jesus forgives you. Now what? All right, we've gone through all that. And you're like, all right, cool. No one can condemn me when Jesus forgives me. Now what? And so I want to ask you three questions first. What are you feeling condemned for? Think about that thing. Everybody's got it. Whether it's an inward voice telling you you're not good enough because of this or whether it's someone else telling you that you're not good enough because of this. What is that thing where you're like, man, I feel dreadful about this thing? What are you feeling condemned for? Next, what's this? Um, Are you willing to give your fear and shame to Jesus? Are you willing that when Satan or others drag you out in front of everyone and you feel like you're standing there naked and ashamed, Are you willing to go like, look, I'm just going to give it to Jesus, and I might feel guilty and shameful, but Jesus has this. Jesus went to the cross and died for us to take away the guilt and shame and to take away away the condemnation. And so are you going to give it to him? It's actually not yours if you don't want it to be. He'll take it from you. Just ask him. And lastly, I want to ask you this. Are you willing to accept the gift of eternal life now that Jesus is offering to you? Are you willing to walk with dad? Are you willing that even when you stumble and fall, you hold up your hand and go, dad, help me. And he'll be right there and pick you up. And and, and even sometimes the kid doesn't feel like dad's with him, but dad's right behind him. He just doesn't see him because he's a little kid and has no idea what he's doing. Are you willing to walk with dad? Are you willing to try and imitate him to the best that you know how, even though you don't know what the heck you're doing? Because honestly, I don't know what I'm doing half the time. But are you willing to walk? Are you willing to live this eternal life now, not just when you die? Because it's only good news if you live it out now. And if you have to wait like 80 years, that sounds more like bad news to me. And so I'm going to pray. We're going to eat some ice cream sandwiches. And uh, we're going to hang out. (laughs) All right. Uh, Dear God, I thank you so much for loving us. God, I thank you that that there is no condemnation in you. that, That when we give our lives to you, Anything we feel, any guilt, any shame, condemnation, doesn't matter. And God, I thank you that that you forgive us, that you love us, that you're a dad who when we stumble, you don't just go, oh, what a dumb kid, I'm leaving him behind. But so you go, yeah, let me help you up. Let me teach you how to walk with me. God, I pray you would help us to remember that when it's hard. And I pray you would help us to see that you are loving and help us to better imitate you and live this life now. In Jesus' name, amen.